years ago, Giordano, Jacob managed to say. Yes, the murderer answered soothingly, that is why I have killed you. I must no longer be Giordano. I must vanish from all records, and you are a living record of my existence. From now on, I shall be called Timon, you see. Jacob struggled to speak more. Never fear, Timon interrupted. You have given God and your masters in the Sydney family a good life of service. Your soul is crouched low now. I can feel it, waiting to leap into heaven. There it will find eternal delight. You were a good man. The alleyway was short, the space of three horses. The stones underfoot were ice between two grumbling shops in this poorest part of Cambridge. One shop was a butcher's, fouling the air with rank decay. The other a tinsmith's hovel. Cheap pots hung everywhere. Jacob had forgotten where he was. He could feel nothing. He could only smell an overwhelming scent of nutmeg coming from his assailant. You may wonder why I have chosen this method of execution, the killer continued, his blade still in Jacob's chest. I had a fondness for you, and my studies have indicated that you should feel nothing from this particular kind of wound. Ancient Greek doctors tell us that when a man experiences a sudden shock of this magnitude, his body refuses to believe it, and all his senses are shut for a short span. You will soon sleep, never having felt anything more than the first brief insult of this dagger. I have offered you, Jacob, the only kindness I know how to give in circumstances such as these. Jacob's eyes rolled back in his head. Ah! Timon withdrew his blade. Jacob's corpse slumped toward the stones of the alley floor, just as Timon fancied he could see a burst of white steam fly upward. Goodbye, Jacob, he said to the steam. I shall, alas, not see you again. We shall be spending eternity in separate quarters. So that's the guy that this Brother Timon is at the beginning of the... No, no. Now that puts a lot of pressure on the second reading. Uh, the overwhelming scent of nutmeg comes from the fact that this person is uh, addicted to nutmeg. As it turns out, Shakespeare, among other people, smoked nutmeg. It's a hallucinogenic... Uh, it's a, a terrific... Uh, I hear... Hi. Uh, you boil the nutmeg, you get an oil, uh, a resin sort of like hash or opium, and you smoke it in a pipe, and you, you have hallucinations, spectacular hallucinations, and then you're unbelievably sick for about five hours. You throw up, you sweat, you're almost dead. So it's a fun day. Uh, but uh, apparently a lot of people had this addiction. Uh, in fact, a lot of sailors, especially, and this has got to be a small group, a lot of Jewish sailors uh, were addicted to nutmeg in this fashion. They know that Shakespeare at least experimented with it because they found a clay pipe with the nutmeg resin in the shards of some of the remains of his house in Stratford. So, you kids looking for a good time this weekend? <laughs> and you want to throw up for five hours? All right, so, uh, 
the, the book follows the progression of Brother Timon as he uh, memorizes the novel. He chases a killer. He himself kills a couple of people. He's not a great guy in the beginning of the book, but he achieves a weird transcendence as he's memorizing the King James Bible and discovering secret texts that were available to the translators of the King James Bible. He has a satori, a kind of spiritual awakening, despite himself, and he's transformed by it to some extent. <laughs> So uh, here's a sample of who he is and what he is toward the end of the novel. Would the Cambridge translators ignore 15 centuries of prevarication in favor of their immediate comfort? Timon hoped not. He was prevented from further introspection of this sort.